Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Uh, my heart definitely goes uh, to, uh, to those in Ecuador, and uh, they have the successful trip, the very long trip, for those of you who have been, that uh, the bus ride, the canoe ride, the plane ride, like planes, trains, and automobiles, we just missed the train and add a boat in there, but uh, that is it's such a blessed mission, and I'm looking forward to hearing uh, more about what all happened uh, on this trip. And, and I'm glad that Adam's finally getting broken in. Um, you know, Adam, our youth minister, that I should explain, but Adam was pumped about this trip, and uh, he's already going to be a huge blessing and be blessed from this. So I'm looking forward to talking to him when he gets back for sure. So for the past couple months, we have been in a series uh, talking about this journey that all of us are on, not just this journey from you know, from birth to death, but although that it does encompass it, but a journey of finding purpose and direction for our lives, a, a spiritual journey, if you will. And, and so we have talked about several aspects about this journey, trying to focus in on different things that we need to be looking at along the path from point A to point B, uh, so to speak. And so to begin with, we, st- we talked about taking stock, that we need to know where we're at in any kind of journey that you're taking, if you ever go um, and, and search you know, for a destination to, to figure out how do I get from here to there, you have to know where you're at. And, and so there's an understanding that spiritually we've got to know where we're at. We've got to know what we have. We have to take some evaluation of what we have at our disposal before we can move forward with anything. So that was the first week. The next week we talked about preparing for the unexpected because we can't prepare for everything. There's going to be something along the path that is unexpected, but we ought to be prepared for that. The next week, I don't know what we talked about. Do you all remember? Okay, yeah, now I remember. I had to look. Uh, we talked about the, uh, that God is always beckoning us to stop and look at what he is doing. Look for him. We can see him everywhere if we have eyes to see. So we talked about the burning bush, and we talked about these other times that God shows up and just calls us, hey, I'm right here. Come look. The next week, we took it to one, one uh, deeper level to stop and help. See, it's not enough for us just, just to simply look at what God is doing and just to sit back as a passive observer of God. He actively invites us to come and join him in his mission along this journey, that we need to be looking out for those that are needing help. So who can we help? This is all part of the journey uh, uh, from point A to point B. And then um, I think it was last week that we talked then about what happens, though, along the path that's all too real for many of us that we get off the path, that we get off the trail that God has called us to, that we sin, that we mess up. And it's a real journey for every one of us. But we also need to realize that God is calling us back to the path, that God has not given up on us just because we messed up. God is willing, willing not only to invite us back, to show us the way back to him. All of this is just parts of the journey that we are on, just snippets of this journey that we're focusing on. But if you've noticed, we have not talked about one thing, and it's pretty vital. The thing that we haven't talked about is the destination. Where are we going? I mean, if we're going on any kind of trip, you kind of want to know where we're going to end up. I'm all up for an adventure, 
Uh, but usually my adventure is I would like to know where we're going. The adventure is how are we going to get there? I'm up for this. But whenever it's talking about eternal destination, I don't want to leave something like that to chance. I don't want to leave something like that just to, oh, man, I hope I end up in the right place eventually. Maybe we should consider that last song that we just sang. Thanks, Ray, for leading that. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid out somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's open door. And I can't live at home in this world anymore. Like sometimes we just sing those words and then we forget. This is a song of a homesick soul, right? This is like the longing of someone saying, I'm not going to be content anymore with the wor- what the world has to offer. I will be content with my life, don't get me wrong. I will be content with what I have. I will be content whether I have riches or not, as Paul would say. But I'm not going to be content that this is all there is to the story. I'm not going to be content that whenever I look at this world, that this is all there is. Because the thing is, this is a messed up, broken world. And if this truly is all there is, we are hopeless people. But people of hope recognize there's more to this. Maybe we can understand it from the, the, just the, the point that uh, many kids feel on a road trip. How many of you have ever taken your kids on anything in a car longer than about, let's say, two minutes? Because it's about that point the kids ask the famous question, what is it? Are we there yet? Spiritually speaking, are we there yet? That's a resounding nope. We're not. We're not in the final destination. We're not in the place where we are called to be fully, but we sure are on the journey. And so, yeah, we can see it in those light of saying, hey, we are on this, and we're not there yet. And that may mean a little bit more traveling. And it may mean a little bit more stuck in the car. But just wait. Wait till we are there. Reminds me of uh, the journey. Reminds me a little bit of Abraham and Sarah's. I like how Hebrews 11, 8 and, 9, uh, 8 and 10 put it. It says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Okay, verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. I love this, the way that the author of Hebrews puts it for us, because it's not like Abraham has his vision and his view on the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. It's not that he's looking at it saying, I'm going there. What he is looking at is, I'm going where God is. Where is God? And so the author of Hebrews says he had his sights set on this eternal foundation, the city built by God. It's almost as if the author of Hebrews was wanting us to get this picture in mind that Abraham, as he went, was whistling the tune, this world is not my home. Okay, it was written long after Abraham walked the earth, but you get the point. The idea is he's going with a mission. He goes with a plan. He may not know physically where it's going to end up, but he sure does know that God is there. 
And we need to have that same kind of vision. We need to have that same kind of focus. In other words, we should know where we are going. So I need to ask this question. Where are you going? Not for lunch. Not where you wish you were right now. Where are you going spiritually? Sometimes we phrase this question of saying, okay, if you were to die, if you were to die right now, do you know where you would spend eternity? I don't really love that question. It's not a great way to introduce yourself to strangers. Um, I tried it. They don't become friends. And I'm still trying to figure out why. Thing is, it's an important question. Where are you going? Some of you, I think, man, you have yeah, like you can answer that question, no problem. Like there is not a moment of hesitation saying, I know exactly where I'm going spiritually. But for others of you, there's maybe a little bit of doubt in your mind, or at least in your answer. You may say something a little bit more to, to the effect of saying, man, I, I hope, I hope that I'm going to the right place. I mean, I think I am. And you can just feel the uncertainty. And that may be where you're at this morning. I want to try to make it easier for you to understand or at least answer this question a little bit easier. If there are thousands of places to go, saying where I'm going is a little bit harder to pinpoint. But Scripture makes it pretty clear that there are only two destinations for the afterlife. There's only two places. Now, some may call them heaven and hell, which is not wrong, but, some, but I think it might be a little bit more accurate to understand it as with God and without God which is, to me, a pretty apt description of heaven and hell. With God and without God, because it's really about presence and his presence. And the thing is, both of these options are offered to everyone. Everyone has a choice to make. But they're not simply about a future destination. They're also about a current reality that you are currently walking in. Now, I'm getting a little ahead of myself because, like, that's the sermon in a nutshell. So remember that at the end and all will be well. So let me break this down a little bit more. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, deals with two roads. In Matthew 7, he says it this way. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide, and, many who choo- uh, and for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. So according to this passage, Jesus is saying there are two destinations. There are two options when it comes to your eternity. One is called the highway to hell. The other one is the stairway to heaven. Oh, wait, those are songs. Um, Although it does say highway to hell here. Some translations actually say one is destruction and the other is life. I like that understanding a little bit better. One is destruction, the other is life is life. There are only two options. There are two destinations. That's it. And he seems to indicate that if you're heading for one, you are automatically not going to the other. These these are considered like polar opposites. But maybe it's better said that it's not just, well, I'm not heading for death. 
so I must be heading for life. That's not true. Better said, if you're not heading for life, the only other option is death. So if there's uncertainty about where I'm heading, I want to let you know the only other option is not life. It's death. It's destruction. Or whatever word and picture you want to phrase to get you to understand that. See, all roads don't lead to heaven, as many people would love it for. It really does matter the path that you are on. So I'm going to ask you again, where are you going? Where are you going? It's really an important question because our destination is a choice that we make. We make this choice. We choose the path that we walk. Notice in the, in the Scripture, uh, Jesus said that the broad is the way that many will choose. Narrow, few will find. Notice the element of choice that is happening here. You know, one of the one of the most often asked questions whenever talking about the subject of eternal destination and eternity, one of the most often asked questions that I get is how could a good God send people to hell? You ever gotten that question before? How could a good, maybe you've asked that question, how could a good God actually send people to hell? Does that like automatically make him not good anymore? Here's a quick answer for you. God doesn't have to send anyone to hell. People choose it. They choose it every day. Not only do they choose the hell that they walk in every day, but they choose the hell that they're going to spend eternity in because of the choices that they've made every day. So God doesn't have to send anyone. He gives them a choice, and people choose it, which seems so messed up. I mean, if you were to simply back up and evaluate and, and say, okay, what direction am I going? And here's all the blessings and here's the curse. No one's going to say, well, man, I'm going to choose destruction. Let's walk down that path. But that's how Jesus is saying it's that kind of choice. It's that clear. It's that simple. You choose the path that you walk. And if there's only two options, to borrow a quote from Indiana Jones, choose wisely. Choose wisely. Don't be an idiot. When it comes to something like this, this is pretty important. Choose wisely. Because only one path leads to life. And it's through Jesus. Scripture makes that pretty clear. One path. What does that one path look like? Well, John 10 Jesus says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved, those who come and go freely and will find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to still and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life, or other translations say life to the full. That's what Jesus came for. But what this is saying is he's the only way to get there. He's the only way to get fullness of life. A few chapters later, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice that this is a pretty clear statement. This is an exclusive statement. This is the kind of statement that, kick, that, that ticks off other religions. Because other religions want, to, want us to believe that there are other ways to get into the goodness of, a, of the next life. 
There are other ways other religions want us to believe to get into the good graces of what is called heaven. But Jesus says, no, there's not other ways. If it doesn't pass through me, it's not the narrow way. If it doesn't pass through me, it is the highway to hell. ACDC got it right. There was a story of a missionary, Methodist missionary named Eli, Eli Stanley Jones. He tells a story of a missionary that's in Africa, and he's there in the jungle of Africa, and he, uh, as he's traveling, he gets lost. He loses the path, and he gets off the path, and he gets lost there in the jungle. He happens to come across a, a hut in the jungle, and he f- talks to the, the native there, the resident, and, and is able to communicate with him and uh, asks him if he can lead him out, lead him back to the path, lead him home. The native agrees and uh, gets up and heads straight into the bush. That's a better way of understanding it's the jungle, but the bush is, I mean, if you've ever been in places that you call it the bush, it is thick. You can't, you don't know which direction you're really heading. So this guy is hacking away at the vines and the, and, and the grasses, blazing a trail for this missionary. And about an hour into it, the missionary's like questioning it, saying, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing landmarkers. I'm not seeing any trail. He's like, are you sure that this is, this is the path? The native chuckles. And he says, in this place, I am the path. It's a good point. That's why you hire a guide to go into some of these unknown regions. That's why you hire someone who knows the way so I can follow in their steps. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you want to know the way? Follow Jesus. Walk in his steps. This same idea continues whenever we come to the book of Acts. Acts 4 in the beginning of the church says there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Talking about Jesus there. See we choose the path that we walk on. We must choose wisely because only one path leads to life but that doesn't mean that that path towards life is going to be easy. Notice in that first passage I read in there in Matthew 7 he says that it's a narrow path. He expounds upon it a little bit later how difficult it's going to be and that we need to keep our focus. See, the very next section that Jesus uh, continues in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. This is an extension of what Jesus had already said. of saying that there's a broad way to hell, and there is a narrow way to life. How do you know? How's that walk going to be? Well, I think it's going to be fairly easy. If you're on the highway to hell, ain't no one going to tempt you to get off. If you're going down the path that's led to destruction, Satan's job is fine. His job is easy. You're already heading to him. 
But see, if you're on the path that leads to life, there are going to be obstacles in the way. And then there's going to be people that are sent in as false prophets, that are sent in as false teachers. More so for us, they are wolves dressed as sheep. In other words, they look like you, they talk like you, they might even smell like you. They are enticing and they're striving for you to get off the path of the narrow way and head toward destruction. So we need to be aware of this. Well, how do we be aware? Well, Jesus says, hey, you can know them by their fruit. Just like a tree, you can know a tree by its fruit. You can know a person by its fruit. What kind of, are they practicing what they preach? Are they doing what they should? There's a lot of detours along this path. But Jesus says, hey, keep focus. Look at the fruit. Look at what's going on. But before you think that walking in the light is always about doing the right thing and bearing this fruit that is, that is from all the things you do, we need to look one more passage, continuing on. Verse 21, not everyone who calls out to me, though, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name, and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Now, notice there's a tie here is that he's saying you can know people by the fruit. And then it almost sounds like he says, you've got to go and do all these things in order to enter. So whenever he says, hey, not everyone's going to enter, but those who actually do the will of the Father, then he explains it and says, here's what doing the will of the Father looks like. Many will cast out demons, they're going to prophesy, and they're going to perform miracles in the name of Jesus. And Jesus will say, I don't know you. Yeah, that's pretty harsh words. Let me, put this, let me put this in perspective for us. Do you think you've done some good stuff for, in the name of Christ? Like through your life, do you think you've done some good stuff in your life? Now think of this. How many demons have you cast out? How many words have you prophesied? How many miracles have you done? Jesus is going for the jugular here. He's saying like, this is like the top-notch kind of Christian. This is like the person who is following me, knows what it's like, and in, in my name is doing these miraculous, wonderful things. And he comes back and says, depart from me, for I never knew you. What's going on here? You see, the journey to God is not simply about mile markers along the way that we can check mark and say, oh yeah, I've done that. Oh yeah, yep, I, I had this, I accomplished this piece. This next step of salvation, I got the five acts, we're good, I'll keep on walking through this. Uh, you know, I gave to the poor, I fed a hungry person once, uh, these mile markers, I've done good things in the name of Jesus. That's well and good and we need to do those things. But people who have done those things in the name of Christ will still be on the highway to hell if they don't get the point. And the point is what I said at the beginning. Depart from me for I never knew you. Knowledge is a relational understanding. What God, what Jesus is saying is you want to walk in this stairway to heaven? You want to walk in this path to, that leads to life? It's about a relationship. It's about a path that we choose. See, it's not simply a path or a destination. It's a relationship with God along 
the way. That's why I said at the very beginning, it's not simply about heaven and hell. It's about being with God or without God because the path we choose is a relationship that we walk in every day, every minute. And it's not simply a final destination. It is that, but it's also a current reality. It is both a future hope. In other words, we're not there yet but it's also a current reality that we walk in daily, that we choose life every day. And we choose to bring, as Jesus prayed for, what is in heaven to this earth. If we understand that the destination is really more about the presence of Jesus, I think we will get it a little bit better. Because it's not simply about where are you going when you die. It's who are you going to be with? Where's Jesus? Because I'll tell you this, if we change the terms around or if they get any kind of picture, if Jesus isn't in heaven, I don't want to be there. Now, I'm convinced he is, don't get me wrong, but if he's not there, that's not where I want to be. I want to be with him. You know what that means right here and now? Jesus is in us. He's in you. He's in your brother and sister beside you. He's in people all over this community. I want to be with Jesus. And Jesus wants to be with every one of us. And so it's, I'm not content to simply be with people that have Jesus in them now. I want Jesus to be in everybody. And so I've got a job to do. So right now, I'm not longing for heading on and escaping this world. I am looking at trying to be Jesus to the presence in, uh, of my brothers and sisters every day. And then when the end comes, when salvation is a final understanding and glorification happens, I want to be where Jesus is. Because that is the picture between life and death. Maybe the author of Hebrews said it pretty well for us and Chapter 12 says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or author and perfecter of our faith. Where are you heading? It's not simply a question of heaven and hell. It's not simply a question of, well, one day. It's a question of right now. Are your eyes focused on Jesus in this moment? Are your eyes continued to focus on Jesus every step that you take? That's going to be the most clear and certain indicator that you're heading in the right direction because it's all about the constant choices every day to follow Christ in every way. So this morning... If you can't fully say, yeah, my eyes are on Jesus. If you can't come to the place and saying, hey, I, I know where I'm going. I am secure in his hand. I want you to get there. I want to help in this. If you've never been a part of some of the, what we might even call the steps in this process, I want you to know that salvation is a really big term and a big understanding that has huge implications in your life. And there are steps along this process. And so if you have not given your life to Christ saying, I'm going to follow you, get on the trail. Join us. 
as we strive to follow Christ together. If you've never given your life to him through the waters of baptism to become his child, then I want to welcome you to the water. But since that day, if you've never continued with your eyes on Jesus saying, I'm going to follow you with every little decision that I make along the path of my life, then I want to encourage you that those little decisions add up to an eternal destination. Choose wisely. And if you need some help this morning, would you let it be known? Come as we stand and sing together.